Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of Oh Wow! The Podcast, a weekly analysis of every episode of Skins UK, starting from season one, episode one. I'm your host, Augustine, and let's start this journey together. I was in bed around two in the morning and watching some episodes of season three and just casually browsing to see if there were any Skins-related podcasts. I assumed there would be many, as it's such a polarizing and iconic show. Much to my surprise, there are no Skins-related podcasts, so I have taken it upon myself to venture into the world of a Skins pod, and so this is really going to be a learning process as you join me. I'm super excited. I love Skins. I have been watching since it originally aired, so today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 1, titled Tony, which premiered on the British channel E4 on January 25th, 2007. Looking back at 2007, I was 13 years old. I was certainly too young to be consuming such media, and part of my inspiration to start this podcast is seeing how Skins is becoming popular with the youth, and there is a new generation of Skins fanatics. So part of this podcast is analysis, and part may serve as a warning to the youth that actually... I don't recommend trying to emulate the lifestyle portrayed in this show as there are some serious consequences unbeknownst to myself at the time of it airing as a young, undiagnosed, neurodivergent young woman. My tiny little brain latched onto this show as a salvation for my chronic unpopularity. I found the characters so compelling and thought certainly this is the way to achieve the elusive coolness by doing drugs and having sex with everyone in my friend group. Um, so we will dive into that with the analysis of episode one, Tony. First of all, the theme song for this show is iconic. I am using a tiny clip of it as the intro to the pod here because it really brings some serious emotions to the surface. A melancholy, a nostalgia, a longing for youth. And if you are a longtime Skins watcher, I think you'll understand. If you're new to watching the show, welcome. I'm so excited for you and your personal development that occurs alongside watching this show. So in the first scene, we are introduced to Tony Stoneham in his room underneath the infamous naked people blanket. Nicholas Houle is absolutely fine. And I say this as a lesbian. He is fine as hell. I know he was a child actor in some movies, never really saw any of those, but in his iteration in Skins, he's a very attractive young man. Um, he stumbles out of bed and is teasing his neighbor across the hall. The predatory nature of many of the adults of Skins is 
certainly more concerning as I watch back as an adult. In my youth, I thought it was just a bit of cheeky fun, but I realize now that many of the adults on the show are predators. We also see his younger sister, Effie, who is walking home, and she's just a hot mess. She has her iconic smeared eye makeup, messy hair. I love Effie's fashion and will certainly comment on it many times through this podcast, through the episodes. We're introduced to their father who is screaming and this gives us our initial impression of the parents of the Skins cinematic universe characters. Um, The parents are all horribly neglectful or incompetent in other ways. So... His father is screaming. We learn the dichotomy of the children versus the parents or the alienation of the youth versus the adults, which truly resonated with my younger self and somewhat to this day as I don't truly feel aligned with the boomer generation and generally find them aggressive and incompetent. So that really holds true. One further comment is that Tony is extremely tall, and I need to look up how tall he actually is, because I was shocked rewatching. He climbs down out of the bathroom into the kitchen, they're just sort of toying with their parents, and then he leaves for the day, and they are using some serious throwback flip phones from 2007, which I'm so nostalgic for. It truly was a simpler time before we had the smartphone and technology boom of the 2010s and we were all just using our little flip phones to communicate. We are introduced to Michelle, Tony's girlfriend, who is played by the beautiful April Pearson, who has an active TikTok presence, which I find very exciting. We learn through their phone conversation that Tony is trying to recruit a woman to help his best friend Sid lose his virginity as it will be Sid's 16th birthday. And according to Tony, it is unacceptable to be his friend and a virgin and 16. Some problematic messaging for sure that I certainly internalize as I longed for the dramatics of a skin's lifestyle. Regardless, we are tangentially introduced to Sid, Chris, Jal, Anwar, and Maxi, the other main characters of the show, although we are only provided snippets of their characters, and the main focus is Tony and his controlling rude, domineering attitude towards his friends while still expecting them to do all of his bidding. It's evident that they are somewhat afraid of Tony and will certainly dive into those dynamics further through the episodes. Tony and Sid meet at a diner, and as it's been nearly a full year of quarantine without eating at restaurants, I was so envious of their ability to sit and order a large breakfast and smoke a cigarette and talk, although the subject matter was fairly depressing with Tony just insulting Sid 
and calling him basically an ugly, lazy loser um, friendship goals. <laughs> um, Michelle arrives and we see that Sid is essentially the cuckold to Tony and Michelle's relationship and he is visibly uncomfortable as they make out aggressively in front of him and there are some seeds being planted quite early. I've seen some discourse on TikTok about the setup of this episode that Tony was trying to get a girl drugged so that Sid could take advantage of her. And while I understand that in the modern climate, that is how these events would likely be perceived, I would argue that in my own youth, had I been given access to free drugs for the promise of only having to sleep with someone who looked like Sid, I would have been over-enthused at the opportunity. Regardless, that doesn't make it okay, and I'm only speaking on my own experience, and certainly if you are planning on giving someone drugs to have sex with you, that is not okay, that is not consensual, objectively it is bad. However, I am suspending my disbelief here as we later meet Cassie's character and explore her mindset at the time. Tony gives Sid a business card to meet with the drug dealer named the Mad Twatter, who they're going to buy drugs from to sell at the party they're going to, and basically it will help Sid lose his virginity. That's the plan. We see this further be set up as Tony goes to an all-girls choir audition. He's singing. All the girls love him. It's pretty black and white that Tony's character is supposed to be irresistible to all women, which makes sense because, honestly, he looks like an attractive butch lesbian in much of this episode. I had to note that and file it away personally. Sid sitting on the bus looking at pictures of Michelle on his phone, which is very sad. No matter how confusing my crushes in the past have been, I've never just sat and looked through files of my friend's girlfriend or boyfriend's photos. Sid is a much sadder character looking back than he seemed when I was younger. I found him extremely attractive and honestly unproblematic in my youth. And looking back, he's kind of a sad loser. So we'll see how that goes. We are introduced to Abigail at the choir performance, who will be hosting the party. And we learn that the main characters of the show attend Roundview College, which made me think that I truly had aspirations similar to Caroline Calloway of fleeing the United States and living in England. However, my aspirations were to drink cheap vodka in the streets of Bristol and have one night stands with white men, whereas hers were to attend Cambridge and become a renowned artist. So I understand Caroline Calloway's mindset and raise her 
deranged Bristol dreams. We pan to the college green where the cast is lounging in the grass, and I find the interactions between Chris and Jal to be so endearing. Everyone without Tony is so relaxed and happy, and we really see how his presence incites tension and drama as he fancies himself a ringleader of sorts. Chris also points out that the plan is not going to go well and Sid should not buy all of this weed because the town is awash and they won't be able to make any money and it's just going to be a loss. So that incites some panic and desperately trying to reach out to Sid to let him know abort mission. However, Sid does not get the memo. He is finding the mad twatter at his house and there are some sex workers who invite him in they are fabulous i want to do a segment on this podcast that is like a fashion recap of sorts or a beauty queen award i'll have to work on the name but i certainly would give the award for this episode to the sex worker who is talking to Sid, she is fabulous. She has glossy red lips. She's painting her toes the same shade of red. She has smoky eyes, black lingerie, a feathered robe, and heels. And she's just stunning. I love it. On the other hand, the mad twatter himself looks like an environmental science liberal arts professor, not really what you would imagine a terrifying drug dealer to look like. He has a handlebar mustache and is wearing some earth tones and beaded jewelry. He tells Sid that he can give him three ounces of weed for 300 pounds, which is probably not too far off from 300 American dollars. I haven't looked up the conversion, but clearly for teenagers, it's a lot of money. And Sid is given 48 hours to pay him back under the threat of having his balls ripped off. And Sid has no backbone, so he will not speak up. He just sort of quivers and accepts the deal and walks away with three ounces of weed. Next, we go to Angie's class. She is the professor of psychology at the college and... Jal and Chris and other students are in her class. This scene made me realize something that I really love about this show, which is that there isn't the airbrushing that American shows have, and I think that's what made this show feel so relatable to me. Seeing teenagers with actual skin texture and hairs out of place and Looking just greasy and dirty is so much more of an accurate representation than the 30-something models that play high schoolers on American shows, which I've just never related to. Skins is so incredibly tangible of a show, and that really draws me to it even to this day. We are introduced to the dynamic of Angie and Chris in the hallway after class. It makes me realize that we're going to have to start a segment called Chris, You're a Victim. Once again, we realize that the adults on this show are predatory. Angie is very openly flirting with Chris after her breakup that she discusses in class. And 
Having tried to flirt with my professors in a similar fashion, they shut that down really quickly. And I see now that Angie's interactions with Chris are highly inappropriate. And again, like Tony and his neighbor, not just a bit of cheeky fun as I had originally interpreted it to be, but actually semi-disgusting and really disturbing. Anyway, shaking off Chris's imminent victimhood, we meet Cassie, who is played by Hannah Murray, who is amazing. I've idolized this character for better or for worse since I was 13 years old. And I will have to point out all of Cassie's most pop culture worthy lines where she says, yeah, it's like hazy days, you know? This is when she's meeting up with Tony, Michelle, and Sid at the party. It's nighttime. We're going out. The whole crew is together. We walk into Abigail's posh party where everyone is pretty boring, standard, private school kids. We also are introduced to Daruda, who is some sort of Eastern European And she immediately publicly shames Sid and says he has a tiny cock and mocks him, which is just an amazing femdom moment that I really respect and admire. Go Daruda, you're a queen. I'm also really upset by Tony and Michelle's matching striped outfits at the party. They're dancing together in these black and white striped, horribly ill-fitting clothes that made me a bit nauseous. However, I'll just write it off as a sign of the times. Cassie asks Sid if he's going to fuck her later, like Michelle said, which again, this is a very controversial topic regarding consent. However, I think this implies some knowledge of an agreement in the works, which I similarly would have been fine with at the time due to mental illness. While the foursome are at the posh party, Maxi, Anwar, and Chris are at the big gay night out, which is sad and empty. It's basically just a bar with two men awkwardly dancing in the corner, which I feel is an accurate representation of queer spaces in small towns outside of like major metropolitan areas you're likely to just have sort of an awkward time. And I appreciated that they were true to reality in this scene. So they decide to ditch the big gay night out and just go to the posh party where Chris says all the boys are gay anyway because they're private school boys, which is I can neither confirm nor deny the accuracy of as a private school student myself. The line that this podcast is named after, oh wow, is first heard on the trampoline as Cassie and Sid bounce on the trampoline at the posh party in the backyard. The sun is coming up, the night has been run through, and we have a tender moment where they have not had sex, they've just spent the night together playing and talking, and I find it heartwarming. A fight breaks out at the party because Chris shows up. He's a mess. He's getting his muddy shoes all over the carpet. Abigail is upset. She tells him to take them off. He rips off his pants, and a mosh pit-style fight 
ensues. We flash back to Cassie and Sid outside in the quiet of dawn, and they talk about how Sid loves Michelle, which is such a fun interaction that I myself have had the pleasure of experiencing time and time again, hearing men that I'm interested in talk about their affection towards other women. So I really sympathize with Cassie in this moment. And she then passes out on the trampoline from taking so many pills. So in an effort to save her and make sure she's okay, Sid pulls her out of the trampoline, gathers everyone together. They steal a car thanks to Deruda's wisdom that they could just take a car and go to the hospital. And they drive to the hospital all together. In the show, we see that this is sort of symbolic that no matter how chaotic things are, the group will always band together to look out for each other, which is nice. However, I want to let the younger listeners know that realistically, the chances that your friends will make you go to a hospital if you've passed out from pills are pretty low. They probably will just leave you at the party passed out and you can die. So if there's one takeaway here, I really just want to warn younger listeners, don't take pills, don't get so inebriated and intoxicated that you pass out. Take things really slowly if you want to consume substances because your friends probably will not have your best interest in mind. And that's just a sad reality. And in Skins, it's kind of played off as like a funny thing, but it is concerning. Overdoses happen all the time, and they're not glamorous or romantic as it's portrayed in the show. So just a bit of a serious moment for you. They arrive at the hospital. Cassie's fine. So they go to a little overpass of a lake or something and stay in the parking lot so that Anwar can take a piss outside. And while looking for a pack of skins, which is the equivalent of rolling papers, I believe, in America, I'm 99.9% sure, correct me if I'm wrong, the stick shift is moved and they drive the stolen car into the water. Again, obviously dangerous, but That is more so like a comedic moment than Cassie's overdose scene. So we giggle along with them as they pop out of the water and Sid realizes all the drugs are gone in the crash. So now they have no drugs and they owe the mad twatter a lot of money, which will become a plot point through further episodes. In the end, Sid remains a virgin and is now in debt and sopping wet. And there is so much promise for the future of the show. So I just want to thank you all for going on this journey with me. Obviously, the first episode of a podcast is always a little bit bumpy, but we'll get more comfortable together as a community as the episodes go on. And I would love to hear your feedback about the show or I'd love to have the guests on to talk about the episodes. I don't want it to just be me (laughs) every week. So I'd love to have guests, um, any advice, any feedback, whatever, feel free to send it in to oh wow, Augustine at gmail.com. That's my email address. 
And you can also follow the Insta page, which is Oh Wow the Podcast. And yeah, just keep up on social media, add um, the show to your favorite apps or whatever. And I'm so, so, so happy that you're here listening and that we can all enjoy this really fun and amazing show together, even if it's at the detriment of our own mental health, which in retrospect is probably why there are no Skins podcasts, because all Skins viewers are probably too depressed to be able to make a show. So I will take one for the team and step up to the plate on this one. And I thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks. Bye.